Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it, you would gain clarity on who Christ is. I don't know about you, um, but my father seemed to be really good at everything. Uh, I don't know if you had one of those kind of dads. My dad was really, really good at everything. I think he was good at sports. Uh, he was just like five foot nothing guy, but he could. He was a Steph Curry before Steph Curry, and all my friends used to used to joke about it. Like your dad can hit a shot from everywhere. He was good at sports. He was good at pool. He picked up golf, and like in three months was better than my aunt who'd been playing for twenty years. And my dad, he was also really good at anything that had to do with. Fixing stuff. I don't know if you had a dad like that. Some of you are like, that's totally not my dad at all. But my dad was really good at fixing stuff. Might have been the fact that he was an engineer. Uh, and he, he could fix anything and everything. Uh, my, my dad was also really good at, at uh, because of that, he was also good at cars and stuff and fixing cars. And so my dad was kind of like a hero to me. He was always great at everything. And because there were so many things that he did good, I often looked to him for advice about the decisions I had to make. Um, and then there were times <laughs> where uh, I don't consider what he would do, and I, I get the advice once everything has gone wrong. I don't know if you've ever done that before. Uh, I remember one time I was replacing the brakes on my car, and by all, by all means, my dad was a pretty frugal guy, and I just always had this idea that my, my dad always, you know, I, I had this idea. I didn't realize this wasn't true, but I thought he always said, you know, get the cheap parts because you can always replace it and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you can always get it. And so one day my brakes went out. And so I, I went up to, to Napa and, um, and, I, and I bought like the cheapest brakes you can get. And actually, no, I didn't go to Napa. I went to O'Reilly. I went to O'Reilly and, and I bought the cheapest brakes you can get. And all you auto guys are going, oh, no. And so I got cheapest brakes, cheapest rotors, and then like within two months, the, the rotors were warping, and the brain of my car was shaking, and I'm like, no, what's going on? And I call my dad, because, you know, that's what you do. You know, when your dad's a good dad, and he's good at everything, you call him, and like, I'm like, dad, what's going on? And he's like, well, what did you do, son? And I was like, well, you know, I went to O'Reilly's, and he's like, O'Reilly's? What's O'Reilly's? And I was like, it's kind of like advanced auto. And he's like, no, you don't go to, I, no, you go to Napa. That's where the mechanics go. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's nice to know. I should have known that before. And I said, well, I got the cheapest brakes. And he's like, no, 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 no. And then he gave me a piece of advice that I still carry to this day. He said, look, when it comes to making your, when it comes to the things that make your car go, and that think comes to make your car stop, don't cheap out. <laughs> And, uh, and I learned that lesson. I learned, I learned the lesson of, of what, what happens when you don't ask your good father what you know he knows, but you think you're going to go ahead and do it anyways. And so I, sh- I should have just called. But the thing is, the funny thing is, is when you have a good father, uh, things usually go better for you when you listen to his, his advice before you make a decision. And uh, if you listen to your good father, if you have a good father who gives good advice, it'll save you time, it'll save you money, and it'll save you potentially a lot of heartache. 
And uh, now, let me just stop here for a second. If you're visiting for the first time, I want to welcome you to Kimberly Lane Elementary School. And uh, those of us who call ourselves Clarity Church, we work really hard to create gatherings like these uh, because we love and we follow Jesus with all of our heart and we want to help people find clarity in who Christ is, even if it's just in rows. And so uh, we, we are just so glad you're here. And, and um, like I said earlier, my name is Phil. I was in shorts and a t-shirt, but, uh, so it might look completely different. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just want to welcome you. And I'm kind of like the lead follower around here. I like to joke with people. That's, I'm just the lead follower around here. And I'm just so glad that you come to be with us today. And uh, for all of us, uh, here's what I want us to do before we kind of step into the message. If you would just go ahead and and each one of your programs, you can grab the little insert. uh, And in there, you'll find the notes. Uh, You can also go to weekly.claritychurch.org. We also have a slide that that shows you that we are on the the YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along. You can have your phones open in in, in the gathering and service. And so you can do that. And if you go to this YouVersion app, you can take notes and you can save them to the cloud. And so you don't lose a little insert. What was that one point? And you can always access it there. And so, uh, and you can follow along today's talk. So, uh, if, if anything, it'll keep you awake. <laughs> well, today we are in part three of a series called Family Matters. And, and the goal of this series is this to define and describe the perspective which uh, people who call God as their father are to look at everyday matters of life. That is the goal. And so, the title, the title of today's message is Struggle Matters, because I want to talk about how. Uh, how we who follow Christ process and view our struggles. And that's what I want to talk about today. Now, here's one thing we all face. We all know this. It doesn't take you long. If you've never faced this, you're probably not old enough. And you just wait. You're going to face it. And this is the truth. We all have struggles, don't we? We all have struggles. In fact, that's why even in pop culture, we have this catchphrase, right? The struggle is... See, right? All ages even know that. It's not just a young thing. Like, the struggle is real, right? And so we apply that to things that can, can do anything from maybe like real struggles that we have, or maybe even it's just like, I got homework today. Hashtag, the struggle is real. You know? <laughs> I follow a whole bunch of teenagers on social media, and the struggle is real for a lot of things. It's crazy. Anyways. But we all struggle for different reasons, don't we? Now, uh, most of us either fall into one of these two categories when it comes to struggles. We, we struggle because of unmerited trouble. We struggle because we didn't behave our way into it, but the circumstances around us caused us to find ourselves in a situation where we're like, the struggle is real. But the other situation is this. Uh, we, we struggle because of consequential trouble. I just like that word, consequential trouble, right? And this, this is the situation, this is a situation where our behavior is responsible for our trouble. And so we walk around and we're going, oh, I wish I shouldn't have. Oh, why did I? Oh, I shouldn't have. And we have all this struggle in our life. And then basically you can kind of split all of our struggles into these two categories. Now, when we struggle, there are several categories we fall into. First is this. When we struggle, and you might, you might identify with one or, or, or all of these at the same time. If you do, we have a prayer team that will be right with you uh, if this is true for you. But when you struggle... Oftentimes you lose hope, don't you? You lose hope. But specifically, you lose hope for a better tomorrow. And that's why there's a phrase that goes like this, you know, nobody likes me, everybody hates me, guess I'll... Right, right, and so long, skinny, what is right, we all know. So, right, and this is why, why does this phrase exist? Because we understand what it's like to go through struggles. And oftentimes when we go through struggles, we lose hope. 
We lose hope for a better tomorrow. Maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe you're going through struggles and, and here's what happens. You feel obligated or, or the responsibility to take control of your situation. Things are not going well. And maybe the way you're wired, maybe your personality is the way it is. Maybe you're the kind of person that, that always, you know, like when things go wrong, you all, even, it doesn't even have to be your fault, but all of a sudden you feel this obligation. Like, I gotta fix this. I gotta take control of this. Another way we describe this is the word worry, because that's what worry is. Where we feel we're in control of, the, of, of how we bring solution to our struggles. Or maybe the other word is anxiety. <laughs> anxiety. We feel like we can't. And there's nothing literally we can do. And so our anxiety fills the void for something to be done. At least anxiety exists while struggle exists. And it's a, it's a weird kind of thing. But we, we think they counteract each other. But they actually make things worse, don't they? Maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe in your struggles, and you know yourself, some of us do this. We make unwise decisions, don't we? We, we, we say things like, well, it's as bad as it can be, so it can't get any worse, so I might as well, you know, do it and even, you know, more and more. Like, what, you know, what's the point? I'm going to get in trouble anyways. And so you make bad decisions. And the danger, really, of our struggles, the big danger is this, is that our struggles can consume us and our struggles can become our identity. It can be the very thing that defines us we don't say things anymore when people say, hey, how are you doing? We don't say, hey, good. You know, like the, even if you're not, that's just kind of like, you're, I'm good, good, good. But you, you, it's kind of like, hey, how are you doing? And you're just walking like. <sighs> right? And, that's, and it's just who you are. And, and, and you become this. this and, and you hear people like, oh, you know, oh, so-and-so over there. Just, oh, everything is just always going wrong. It's just a struggle. And it almost becomes, and, and even when things are good, you, 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 you feel like something's not right because everything's going good. That means something is wrong. And this is kind of the way we respond to our struggles. Now, many people have suggested many ways to deal with the struggles of life. Some have said this. Uh, you might have heard this. You know, time heals, right? Everyone heard it say? You're struggling. Like, oh, don't worry. Time heals. Or another way they say it, this too will pass. This too shall pass, you know? Or, or uh, if, if, you're, if you're like a younger generation and you watch Frozen, you know, it's probably, this is the other one, you know, hey, hey, just let it go. Just let it go. My name is, no, my name is, you gotta let it go. Anyways, you gotta let it go, right? And this is how we, you just got the joke. All right, it's good. Megan Trainer. there you go. The reality is this, though, that for many of our struggles, time doesn't heal, does it? And for many people, their struggles never go away with patience. I, I think of the struggles of my good friend Dan, who serves on our prayer team, who's at home right now, who just sent me a text message that I, he said, I'm so much pain. And he has chronic pain that he deals with throughout for the longest time. And he can't even get out of bed. And he texts me, he goes, I'm, I'm there with you in spirit. I love you. Please send everyone. My, I think of people like that. For him, time doesn't make things better. In fact, time makes his struggles worse. I think of my neighbor who lost his wife this past year. And as I went over and I said, how are things going? Brian, he's not a believer. And he goes, you know, still up, up, you know, bleeping hard. <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and he's still mad. He's still hurt. 
Time has not made anything better. He had a, he had a wedding this week, and I'm like, oh, you got to be excited. He goes, nah, I bleeping hate weddings. And I'm like, why? I'm like, you know, I mean, your, your family's getting married. He goes, nah, because Jean was supposed to be here with me. Just a reminder that she's not. So time doesn't make things better. This too will pass or let it go. I mean, I think of the people, the over 7,000 people just here in the city of affluent Plymouth who are living below the poverty line, not to mention the 1.3 billion people in our world, sometimes we can forget this, who are living in extreme poverty. For them, time will not make it better. Their struggle is real. Or maybe you've heard this. Uh, another, another set of advice is, is this. All right, bro, you just got to kind of, you know, just got to push through, man. Just push through, right? You're struggling right now, but just, just push through, just push through. Or, or you know what? It, you know what you got to do is you got to stay determined. Got to stay determined. Got to, got to put eye the tiger on. You just got to stay determined. You got, you got to fight this, man. You got to take control, you know? And, and really, this is an inspiring idea. It looks really good on an Instagram slide. It may look really good on a Pinterest post. But I don't know about you, but my inability to rise above the struggle or to even stay above the struggle is totally dependent on me. And life has proven, at least to me, that I cannot be trusted. And I especially can't be trusted to always be there for myself. Because I'm not very good at having my own interests in mind. And maybe you are too. I'm just guessing. Maybe you can think of that one time where you said, I shouldn't have hung out with them, but you did. And then well, look what happened. Or maybe there was that one time you said, I shouldn't have bought that thing, even though my budget didn't allow for it. And you went ahead and did it anyways. And then you found yourself in the situation that you find yourself when you spend more than you make. Or maybe you, you knew that you should have double-checked, you should have triple-checked, and you should have checked things out, but you, you went ahead and you did it anyways, and you suffered the consequence of what you knew you shouldn't have done. If you have ever done that, and I am guessing you probably have, what does that say about you? I think it tells you and it tells me that we don't even have our best interest in mind. And if these suggestions don't help much, then what does? How can we navigate the matters of our lives that we call struggles? How can we do that? Well, today I want to postulate that maybe for you, and this is true for me, but God's word gives us a clue. The scriptures gives us a clue of how to navigate these struggles of life. The Apostle Paul wrote in a letter to a group of Christians who were beginning to face some struggles of their own. And the current reality for Paul was that he was facing struggles of his own. So you just have to know that. He wasn't just writing to some people who were going through some struggles and everything for him was okay. In fact, his struggle, he was, he, if you read the, the, this, the rest of this, this, this letter, you know, he, they're facing death daily. I mean, when was the last time you faced death daily, all right? And so there's some serious struggles going on. And, and this is what Paul says in this letter to a church in Corinth. And this is really, some say it's the fourth letter, it's the third letter, whatever. He's written a lot of letters. And so this is nothing new that he said, but he needs to repeat it again because it's important. And look what he says in verse 2 of chapter 1. Paul says this, Grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying here is he's saying, remember that God is our Father because of Jesus Christ. And this is really, really important because this perspective, when you understand that God is your Father because of what Jesus Christ did, because he died for your sins, because he paid the penalty so you could be made right with God, become friends with God, become a child of God, an heir, a co-heir, because of Jesus you're, this is so important for us to realize. For those of us who follow Christ and, and love him with all hearts, you are a child. This is the most basic thing to remember in your struggles, that you are a child of God. He goes on, verse 3. Blessed be to God the, and Father, uh, be the God and our Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction. <laughs> What is Paul saying here? He's basically saying this. God can be trusted with all of our struggles. He can be trusted with all of our struggles. This this word comfort, this this idea of the God of all comfort, doesn't mean God of ease or God of relaxation or or God of relief, like he's going to relieve you. He's going to take it away. Okay, so don't misunderstand this word. This, this word, um, uh, paraklesis, is, is really the verb noun of a word called uh, parakleo, which means to encourage, which to, uh, this idea of speaking out and saying, hey, you can do it. Hey, come on. And then also this idea of, hey, you can do it. Come here. Come here. Come, you can do it. Come here. Come by my side. And so this idea that God is the God of all comfort, he is the God who, who basically, who's saying to you in your struggles and he's watching you and he sees you and he sees you, but he's not just a God who's far. He's calling to you and he says, hey, you can do this. You can make it. Come near. I'm calling to you. Come, come near. Come be with me in your struggle. Listen to my voice. And so what he's saying here is that the solution to our struggles is found in listening to God's voice and being in his presence. And so this idea of comfort isn't that God brings relief to your struggles, he's going to take it all away, but that God says, look, in your struggles, your struggles is an invitation to listen to what I'm saying and I'm trying to say to you. And it's an invitation for you to draw near to me. You know, when my kids are in the middle of a struggle, and most of the time it's because they've done something wrong because they're kids. Um, I don't know if your kids do this or if you've seen kids do this. They get in trouble. What do kids do? They run away, right? My kids get in trouble. They run away. Or I'll catch my kids doing something wrong, and I'll go, uh, uh, Emily, she, she has the softest. I don't even have to yell. I just go, Emily. And all of a sudden she's like, and then she just she turns and oh I just got lightheaded I really put a lot into that whoa whoo whoo uh, you know she she, starts, she she walks away like she's gonna go to her room and I go and I and I go and and uh, my wife told me I need to tell this illustration. I, I feel like sometimes it can be self-serving because it can make me look like a good dad. I make plenty of mistakes, trust me. But this is one thing where she said, I, I just need to, I need to give this illustration because I think it gives a good picture of what our Heavenly Father does. And, when my, and I've used this illustration before. Some of you have heard this. When my kids do something wrong and they're tempted to walk away, I say this to them. I said, don't walk away. 
And I say, who's the only person who can make you feel better right now? And they all say this. And then I say, well, then come here then. And in their tears and in their snot, they come in. And they put it on my shirt. <laughs> but I'm a good, good father. That's who I am. And I hug them. So I speak into them in their struggle, and they listen to me. And then I call them beside me. And it doesn't change the fact that they got in trouble. It doesn't change the fact that there's probably a consequence for what they did. But what happens in that moment is that the struggles are now something that I relieve from them. Or better yet, not relieve, I comfort them. I come beside them. Does, this, does that make sense? I'm trying to say. Second Corinthians one chapter four says this. It goes on so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. We're using the word comfort a lot, just like Katie Rice used the word perfect over and over in her baptism video. You probably heard that perfect and the perfect will. I don't know. I love you, Katie. So that's what she was saying next. She's like, I say perfect all the time. We were just laughing. Verse five: For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so though. So through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. What, what Paul was basically saying here in this jumble of words is this. Paul was specifically, first of all, talking about struggles and sufferings that were really a result from being persecuted in faith. I just got to let you know that. So the kind of struggles that these people were going through, that he was speaking, they were actually struggling because of their faith. People were oppressing them. And so some of you, some of you, your struggles in light of that struggle, you might be tempted to go, well, this doesn't really apply to me, but because this is, you know, it doesn't, I'm not struggling for my faith. You know, I just, I got a splinter and it really hurts right now. And I just, I'm struggling. I'm just struggling. And, and so I don't know, this doesn't apply. But listen, listen, this principle can apply to all kinds of struggle. How do we know this? Because good people who study the scripture use all of scripture to help them understand what scripture is saying. James, the brother of Jesus uh, and, and by the way, uh, if you are skeptical about faith and, and, and Jesus, here's just one thing you got to wrestle with. You got to wrestle with what would it take for you to call your older brother Lord and Savior? You just got to you got to wrestle with that. I mean, when it comes to faith, what would it take for you to admit that my brother is Lord, that he is literally God? I don't know. So you just have to wrestle. With it. But James, he says this. And, and I think he knows Jesus pretty well and how Jesus lived. He says this in James 1, verse 2 to 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, say any kind, any kind, any kind, they come your way, consider an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. <laughs> so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Listen to this. Needing Here's the point. Here's what James knew as he was saying what he said. This is what Paul knew as he said what he said. And this is what all the other writers of the New Testament knew when they talked about the Lord, our comfort, the Lord who comes beside us, and even Jesus who said his Holy Spirit. That's the same word, parakleo, the comforter, okay? And if you have, and, and if you have 
decided to follow Jesus and you're born again, you have this Holy Spirit living inside you. That's just so cool. That just is with you. He's with you. And so what, what they all understood was this. Jesus struggled for me so that in my struggles, I can be free to have God own my heart. Jesus struggled for me so that in my struggles, I could be free from anything that would own my heart except for God. When you think about your struggles, what owns your heart? Because what you embrace and allow to own your heart in your times of struggle, <laughs> I got to say this as nice as I can, and, and you, might not, you might think this is offensive, but I, what you lean on in your struggles whether you believe this or not, is your Lord, is your Savior. And why would you want to do that with anyone except for the one who died for you, gave his life for you, the only one who's ever done any good and has paid the ultimate price so you could be free to become a child? Why would you do that? And so we need to know that Jesus struggled. He died for you and me so that we could be free from anything in the midst of our struggles of owning our heart except for God. Does God own your heart in your struggles today? Back to 2 Corinthians verse 6 to 7. It says, if we are afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you've experienced when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our suffering, you will also share in our comfort. And so there's this idea that God comforts us, but there's even a greater idea. First, I just got to be really specific. If you're a follower of Christ... The point of our struggles, the point of looking at our struggles through the lens of family is this, that we are to be people who embrace struggle's purpose, which is to invite you to listen to God's voice and be in his presence. That's the first thing. But if that was it, that would be a very self-serving goal for our struggles. And so Paul says what he says here about sharing and suffering so that others can share in the comfort that we've been comforted because we are to be people. This is what the, this is what the church is supposed to look like. This is what, this is what the people who, are, who say that they follow Christ are supposed to look like. We are supposed to be, be the people who engage in being encouragers to others who are struggling, pointing them to God the Father. And so we don't walk on by like the priest and the Levite who sees the, Samarit who sees the, the, pers the person at the side of the road but we're to be like that good Samaritan who comes by and says, I have compassion on you and I'm going to be a good neighbor to you. And so we, listen, if you are a follower of Christ, we don't have a choice. If, if you're not a Christian, you don't have to, you can entertain this and, 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 it, and listen, if you practice it in your life, it'll actually make your life better. I, I believe that with all my heart. But if you are a follower of Christ, we have to do, we have to live this way. And so, Let's be the people who engage and we can see the struggles in other people's lives, but do it in a way that helps people know 
who the Father is. Otherwise, we just sound like the other people who say, you've got to hold on to what you've got, right? (laughs) You know, and they're living on a prayer or whatever it is. And so you don't want to be that person. You want to be a person that points them to Jesus. You want to point them to God. Now, if you're a skeptic, or maybe you don't know whether or not you're a Christian or not. You're not sure if you believe everything you've heard about God in the Bible. This is, if, this, if there's one take you need to take away from today, it's this. That Jesus struggled for you so that you could be free from anything other than your heavenly Father to own your heart in the middle of your struggles. Jesus said it many other ways. He said, Cast your cares upon me because I care. He also said this. He said, take on my yoke, my my burden, which is light. Jesus said all these type of things. And for those who trusted in him and follow him, he even said this. And this is just crazy. He said, look, if you sin, if you do things that repulse and speak against and disrespect the nature of God the Father, listen, don't run away. Come to me. Confess your sin. First John 1 John 1.9 tells us if we confess our sins, God is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of us are living our life. We don't call it all unrighteousness, but it feels like guilt. It feels like shame. It feels like oh, regret. Or maybe today you need to hear that God is just. If today you would place your faith and trust in him, and repent and say, I don't want to be my own God. I don't want money. I don't want my people to be my idol. I want God. God, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And I want to turn from my sin. And I know I, know I, can't, I can't be perfect, but God, you were, you're going to make me perfect. I know you will because my belief influences my being. And I believe in you, God. If you, you can do that today, if you've never done that. And so as I close... If for you, maybe you're someone who's never said yes to faith in Christ, you can do that as I pray. You can pray along with me. And and for those of us who follow Christ, this is just a healthy thing to do as well, just to say, God, you know, as as some of our brothers and sisters have done through baptism, renewed, or actually I like to call it not really, you know, making a rededication. I like to call it repentance (laughs) because that's what it really is. It's not really rededicating. You dedicated your life to Christ when you said yes. (laughs) And then after you said yes, and then you kind of come back, that's called repentance. But we can repent today. (laughs) That's a great, happy thing to do at church. Uh, We can repent today, but we can do that today. We can say, God, we're so sorry. And we can recognize that only he is a good, good father. And then only when we recognize that could our heart really know that we're loved by him. And whether you know this or not, that's who you are. That's who you are. God was truly a good, good father. And if he really is a good, good father to you, I think you'd call on him in the middle of your struggle. Maybe your struggle doesn't look like brake pads and rotors. It's something else. But you have a good, good father. And why not call on him now before things get worse? Why not 
Open your ear. Listen what he has to say. And then engage and draw near to him as he would want to say, hey, who is the only person who can comfort you right now? We have a good, good father. Let me pray for you.